Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Good afternoon, tourpreneurs, and welcome to another episode of the Tourpreneur Podcast. Today, I'm happy to introduce Mark Reyes Nigod, CEO and founder of iWonder and VidiGuides. Marius, like the rest of us, is an avid traveler, but he does not enjoy guided tours. Are you listening, tourpreneurs? He does not enjoy guided tours. He likes his own freedom to explore destinations and cities in his own way and his own time. As an independent traveler, he's not a he's not on his own. By this, by the way, that is how the majority of people travel when they're in the city. It's the minority who take guided tours. It's the majority who explore on their own. But this insight and his dislike of guided tours has led him to build a couple of companies, which are I Wonder and Vidi Guides. Marius, welcome. Hello. You put me right into that, haven't you? I I got to start with the caveat. I do love guided tours. Yeah, I think we can get more into it. But it's basically how can we bring guided tours into, you know, that kind of like that storytelling which you can get from a guided tour. How can we bring that in a digital way? And that's really what I've been focusing on. But um delighted to be here. I'm a big fan of 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 everything you guys are doing at Tourpreneur. I've been following you guys for a long time since when when back when when Shane was when Shane was involved as well. So delighted to be on. So give us a bit of background on VidiGuys and I Wonder, just to set context for the rest of this conversation, Marius. Sure. So I launched a company called VidiGuys about four or five years ago now. And what we what we do is we do self-guided audio tours but with a twist. So instead, you know, when you think of audio guides, you often think of something like quite monotonous, quite boring. We basically bring that to life with a podcast format. So what we do is that we have these 45 minute podcast tours where we get two experts, like often a tour guide or an expert in a certain field, like history, architecture, street art. We pair them together and we have that mix between, you know, an audio guide or a guided tour and a podcast. So yeah, they're really fun. They're interesting. They're super high, highly curated. We're present in about 25 countries now. But I recently, so this week, I've launched a, a new company called iWonder. And what I wonder is, we, we like to call it your your personal tour guide in your pocket. So I don't know if that will resonate with you or how, how your reaction is to that. But basically what we do is that it's, it's, it's a digital tool which is powered by AI and it allows tourists to generate their own self-guided audio tours and travel guides. So, and this has been discussed in the, in the Tourpreneur group over the last year and plus. I've been prompting people with it for about three years now, saying it's coming. Everybody was saying it wasn't coming, and now it's here, and you're not the only one building this. 
So what we're talking about here is basically an AI-driven guide to destination that today is going to be delivered via your phone. Yeah, exactly. Very fine. So how do you envisage, we all know and we all understand what the industry's like at the moment and very, very fragmented, huge amount of verticals within the industry. The vast majority of it, if not all of it, is human powered. We have audio guides, but even with audio guides, there's, a, there's human designers a lot of the time involved in audio guides to actually create the content that goes into them. So how do you envisage the travel industry going forward using AI personalized self-guided tours? Yeah, so that's a good question. I, I think, you know, when, when people speak about AI, they kind of just say like, AI is everything. AI is the content creator. AI is the technology. AI is the kind of the user interface. It's, it's basically a whole solution. I completely, I disagree with that. I think AI is just a tool. It's basically one part of, of a tool, which actually, I, I actually see it like a triangle. You've got AI at the top, which is the technology aspect. Then you have the user. So we'll go back to the user in a bit, but I think the user is the most important piece here. So, you know, like, where are they? What are they looking for? What sort of data are they inputting? You know, like, what are their interests? Basically, like, understanding that user. And then on the end, on the end, at the end of it, you've got curation. And you know, this is, this is basically, okay, the kind of the scripts, the contents, you know, the whole, all the data, which is used to actually like, feed the whole model. So, you know, all rich kind of rich that rich data that all that storytelling so what i actually see is that triangle coming together where you input a certain amount of content which is human generated you've got the user so you really understand the user and you, you can basically deliver the content which they want at the right place at the right time using this new tool which is ai yeah, so you basically we're moving we'll talk about this for decades but it's never really happened it's personalization to, to the to the customer uh, and I wrote an article years ago about where we're moving from marketing one to many, we can market one to one. But now we're moving not just marketing one to one, you can actually operate one to one. Therefore, I extrapolate that if you get the content right in your data, you could have two people in the same wonder about a city, but get and delivered different content to suit their perspective. Is that correct? That's exactly it. So that's exactly it. So for instance, you know, you could be in a family and a family of four and everyone's got different interests. Everyone's of different ages, but everyone's looking up at, for instance, Big Ben. And you can actually choose your tour guide when you come in. So, you know, the family friendly one, the architecture focus, the attract focus, you know, you can basically pick and mix who, what kind of tour guide you want. And then based on that, you will have, you know, personalized information or kind of different types of information fed to you. And that's, that's just the starting point. I think as we get, you know, as we move further along, as we get better at just understanding data, understanding the customer, then that can really be done in real time as you can like know more about your customer. But I just actually want to push back on something which you said earlier about the, you know, the industry being, you know, based off that kind of human interaction. I think, okay, that's, that's very true in terms of, you know, tour guides. But the, 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 the starting point with all this is that what we've done over last year is really take a step back and look at how people are traveling and what tools they're using. And 
Okay, so we came, we came to the conclusion, we basically figure out that only 3% of tourists, when they travel, actually use a tour guide. So our focus isn't so much on you know, the people who use the tour guide, that 97% of people who don't. And because they don't use a tour guide, it doesn't mean that they're not interested in places which they visit or discover. So, you know, what tools do they use? This is basically, there are two tools, two digital tools, which they use above anything else. And that's Google Maps and Wikipedia. And what we're trying to do is to take Google Maps and Wikipedia and add the narrative, the narrative quality, which you can get from a tour guide. And that's, I think, where yes, you can bring that human touch to the 97% of people who just kind of wander around aimlessly, maybe might make up a couple of articles on their phone or on Wikipedia, but never really like, they could be discovering more about the places they visit. And that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think the majority of our listeners here, it's worth emphasizing the point that we made earlier. This is a fundamental change because we've had decades and decades of tour guiding where it was one too many, whether that's 10 in the group, whether it's 20 in the group or 30 in the group, it was information flow from one guide to the many, but the information flow was the same information to all. We're moving in a world, into a world where that can be personalized to one-to-one. And that fundamentally changes the model on how people learn about a destination and learn about sightseeing in a destination. Obviously, it's not perfect as we speak at the moment, but I have seen various solutions building in this space. And the one thing I'm 100% sure on is it's coming and it's going, it's going to happen. Uh, we can argue about the quality, but this is happening. And therefore, the questioning is, will the consumers adopt it? That bit we, none of us really know yet. But we do know, and you brought up Google Maps, and, and we all use Google Maps every single destination we go to. Google Maps is the guide for in-destination. Uh, but it doesn't, it's not the guide for context. It doesn't speak to you. It doesn't have a conversation with you. Whereas we're moving into a world where someone is having a conversation in real time with you in that destination. At any t- and that's the other thing, flexibility. It's in the time that suits you. So you're sitting having a coffee in Seville, and then suddenly you're looking across at a building that you find quite interesting. You can start interacting and find out about that building in your own time, not on the time that a tour company is dictating. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's, so, that's so interesting because also, I don't know whether you've read the piece on Arrival where basically the barriers to taking a tour guide. So why do people, why is guided tour penetration so low? And they basically came up with, there's two key reasons above anything else. It's price, it's independence and flexibility. You know, they want to discover places on their own or on one-to-one, as you said. And the second is flexibility. Your time has never been as, your time is never as precious as when you're traveling. So you don't want to be constrained to a certain, you know, rigid structure or having to a couple of days before meet up here every time that. And I think this is, this is, uh, this is. Nothing to do with, okay, how can we, what's wrong with tour guiding? What's, it's really diving into the psyche of why, why those people who don't take a tour guide and never will take a tour guide, what are they looking for? And I think that one-on-one connection, that kind of like, you know, independent solution, which is 
tailored to them, but just doesn't even have to be that tailored to them at the start. All it has to be is just good quality information, interesting narrative, and then add a little bit of what a tour guide can bring. You know, that structure of a route, like saying, do you know what? Okay, you might start off with, with just searching about Big Ben, for instance. But did you know that you know, in this park nearby, there's a load of great statues. Let's go find out about that and discover more about, you know, the UK or like London's, London's, London's culture through that. So it's basically, you know, taking them from one place and giving them, telling them we know better than, we know, we know best where to go next. So like, why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? And it brings back a little bit like the wonder of traveling. I think that's why, you know, we're all in it because experiences it's, it's so much fun it's like it's such a fun industry to be in where you can bring so much joy and that's what we're trying to do to like really bring that experience through the digital format yeah i think and some of the listeners have probably heard me say this before but tour operators tour guides are obsessed with quality which is a great thing yep. because they want to deliver the best possible experience to the to the guests they can and that is borne out by when you look at the reviews, you compare reviews for experiences versus hotels versus restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Experiences always score much higher. There's multiple reasons for that. One of the ones that customers don't take experiences as much as they use hotels or restaurants. But the point is the industry is obsessed with quality, which is good. Therefore, a lot of the industry is looking at this and saying, well, it's not going to be as good as a human. So one of the points I keep bringing up is Society has accepted not as good as a human in industry after industry after industry. So I'm a football fan. Is watching the football on the TV or listening it on the radio as good as going to a match in a stadium? 100% not. It's not even 50% as good. But billions of people take the digital way of watching football rather than the live way. And sector after sector, whether you go to the theatre, is theatre as good as going to uh, YouTube and watching stuff on YouTube? Theatres a million times better. Billions of people use YouTube and a couple of million people go to the theatre every year. And sector after sector, when you look at it, good enough takes volume. And then the real quality stuff is at the top of the pyramid, which charges more but the digital version charges less. So the volume across multiple industries in society has moved. The volume has moved to digital and the high price point stuff has kept human. And we haven't done that in travel yet. And that that's so interesting because, you know, what is the good enough right now? What's the, what's the alternative? And go back to Wikipedia. And that's what, like, you know, our job, is to make that better. And, you know, to go back to why, you know, trying to make it as good as possible. So this is really where, like, our background with, like, video guides, this is what we've tried to do for the past five years. We've tried to create the best audio guides in the world, like, super highly curated, try and get some amazing storytellers, really good kind of production capabilities. And, like, we want to do this with I Wonder. Like, we want to push it to a level where it's, you know, that magic, that sense of magic where it's like, wow, this is an amazing experience. This is great. And I, I, I want to like, I think the, the only way to do this is to work alongside tour guides, alongside, you know, content creators within the industry. Cause bring it back to AI. I think one of the big 
we speak a lot, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of chat about AI and travel, but I think one of the next big opportunities as an industry is to train an LLM, a, a large language model, and build one specifically for the travel industry. And what that means is like, the only way you can do that is to input high quality data. And data, by this I mean points of interest, local stories, local recommendations. And that content has to come from somewhere. So either you scrape the internet for content which has already been created, but which you're not really too sure of the provenance. Either you, you, you basically work with mass aggregators of data. So, you know, culture trip, for instance, you always have like great, great recommendations for food and drink. But what I would love to do is to work with, you know, thought leaders across the world, um, tour guides, cultural experts, and have them work alongside us to create this model. And the, you know, the, the other thing with this finally is, is economics um, of AI and how that's going to look in the future. Because I don't, it's not going to be a world where you can just scrape data and pull it out for free and just not, not, not attach any monetary value to it. And I think like long-term, I think I'm, we're, I think that the way forward is you have to pay those content creators if you're using their data. I think it could be a great additional source of income for these people who've got these stories, who've got these like local recommendations and points of interest. If we can all rally behind that, create that industry-specific LLM, and then everyone can benefit from that. What, what, what do you think about that, Pete? Yeah, the... I mean, I've been saying this for a while. The only moats I can see being built in a world at the speed AI is developing is if you own and can control unique data sets. I can't see a world where you have open data that gives anybody any competitive advantage anywhere. Because if the data is open and everybody can use, well, then it all comes down to who's got the most money to build and who's got the most resources to build. Because everyone's got access or it just comes down to a commercial play and who's got the talent, the engineers, and the money. Whereas if you have unique data, protected data, that can be deployed, well, then you have competitive advantage. But then it comes, especially for a scaled play, if, if you're looking to take I wonder globally and put it in 180 countries, and technology, so it should scale, but gives you data issues of collecting that data and do you go reliant on point of interest databases that you have to tap into partners with there'll be plenty of partners willing to do that it's only a commercial arrangement but they'll be willing to do it with you and 15 other people as well so that data is just being pumped out or you go the the other route of building the content by working with creative tour guides city experts historians you name it, anybody with that knowledge, you do create a unique data set. That is quite a massive, long project to do that city by city. You get the advantage of scaling because of what the technology is, but the actual creation of the knowledge that goes into that technology is a huge project. Yeah, but I think that's, that's the only way which you can get it done in the future. I think that's the only way which you can actually get you know, that point. Because... The, one of the big things right now for question marks is around hallucinations in AI. And that's basically when you know, your chat GPTs, your bards just give you information which isn't actually correct or they make stuff up. 
And so how do you, how do you, how do you safeguard against that? Well, one, you know, can, you can basically control the model to fact check, but that's always going to be quite difficult. The only way around that is to build your own data sets and to make sure that you can, you can, you have that valuable information. And I agree. Like it's not, you've got to accept that it's not going to be the case everywhere and it's going to take some, a while to stale, but sometimes it's good to do things which don't stale, you know, it goes back to that quality. If you're looking to create the most quality products out there, it takes time. There isn't a magic bullet. And this is why as well, like every time goes back to what I said at the start, people would just say, oh, AI, all of a sudden it will just kind of change the world. No, you still have to do the hard work. It's just a tool which actually allows you to use those data sets better. You mentioned the economics of this earlier in the pricing of it. And I think this is getting overlooked by the industry. The fundamentals of this technology are different. I'm understanding it correct, which is always a question. Different from a SaaS business model because OpenAI, uh, ChatGPT, Google, whoever you use are not going to provide these tools forever at a rate that loses them money. And at the moment, they're losing money, a lot of money, billions on what they're providing for everybody else to build over. So that can't carry on no matter how big. Google is that just can't carry on. They have to turn these things into money-making machines rather than money-losing machines. Companies building on the top of it and then providing out to customers, that's not the same as a SaaS model where you think you fix costs and then it's a marginal cost going out. There's going to be variable costs consistently. So it's a bit like live tour guiding where you have a lot of variable costs. In this model, you do not remove all of the variable costs. There is available cost to this coming through. There's use, there's going to be paid subscription. Then there's also usage as well. Therefore, I don't think a lot of companies are really thinking through the economic model of this to, to come up because pricing here is going to be complex. Pricing is going to be really complex because we don't know where, if you're pooling, from the giants, you don't know eventually what their pricing is going to be. Obviously, we know what it is today, but we don't know what it's going to be eventually. For pricing going forward is incredibly complex. Or maybe I'm reading it wrong. What do you think of that? No, you're so right. And very few people actually realize how expensive it is to do a request, to call a request. And it's not, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a bad thing because... I think, especially over the last couple of years, people are willing to pay for high quality digital content. So we've seen that with video guides, you know, you can see with the amount of subscriptions you've got, podcasts, Netflix, you know, Spotify, people are willing to pay for that. So I think people are starting to realize that, you know, if you're getting something for free, you are the product and people are willing to, you know, pay. I think where I do agree with you, like AI right now, like creating that AI generated content is expensive. And um, so there has to be a price associated to price per request. And this is once again, why you can't just be a layer over chat GPT. And that's where the competitive advantage goes, where you can actually tailor, pick that data, create that model, create that, like do that curation to actually give like super high quality value to the customer, because these requests will always be, you know, it will cost you a few, at least a few pennies every time you make a request. And I don't think that will go down, but not 
not as quickly as a lot of people are expecting. So yeah, this isn't a free product. Yeah, and the costing of it is significant, and therefore the pricing going out is. Is it going to be cheaper than a human guide? Of course it's going to be cheaper than a human guide, but it's not going to be free. <laughs> or if it is free, someone's taking a loss somewhere and there's another business model on the back of it. But this is, this is also where I see the opportunity to actually work with those content creators and reward them. Because if you're going to be paying per request, then you can always add a couple of pence extra to actually reward the person who's fed that information in the first place. And yeah. you know, if if you've provided an amazing fact or an amazing route or an amazing point of interest around like, let's say the Louvre or Topless Museum, and then all of a sudden you're getting lots and lots of people in off-season, you know, making requests or asking questions around the Louvre and every time you get a couple of pence, all of a sudden that could create a new market for, for, for tour guides or an additional stream of income. I know, you know, it's not the tour guides are tired of hearing this. I think, you know, there's, there's been with you know, self-guided tours, everything they've been promised, you know, that future of, of what's it called, like, you know, additional revenue or, or I'm not, I don't remember how you said it, but like basically like revenue whilst you sleep sort of thing. They still your content for a while, but I actually think this changes it because all of a sudden it just, it just opens up. You basically just feed your, feed your data or like feed your, feed your points of interest or some, some fun stories into a model and you could just be remunerated for that over, you know, over, over months and years. Yeah, I've, I've I don't been, know, but this is still hypothetical. Yeah. I've been preaching to the community. I mean, our mission is to make tour operators more profitable and everything should be in. To me, this is a threat and an opportunity. I say the opportunity is bigger than the threat. It's only a threat if you don't do anything about it. If you do something about it, the opportunity is quite huge. Uh, one way to engage with tour operators and tour guides is the hybrid model where today if a guide's hiding for four hours and looking after 10 people uh, and that's what they can do and charge $65 for the tour suddenly you can have a guide working two hours and then going off with another group and AI doing the other two hours. So the economies of the tour suddenly become better, or better still, if you have a two-hour tour and the guy's doing a two-hour tour, it can now be a four-hour tour. And instead of going and sold for $65, it now gets sold for $85. Therefore, there is opportunity here for operators to work in a hybrid model that allows scale. They cannot scale to at the moment because we all know how tour operating works. Every time you have another batch of customers, you need another guide. Another batch of customers, you need another guide. So this technology is going to allow operators at the minimum in one destination to double the numbers at the minimum if they apply it correctly. I couldn't agree more. And it can, like, if I can just speak a bit about the way which we're building it, our, our business model, because we're building this as an API. So, Basically, what this means is that we're building this as a tool which anyone can take and white label. So they can plug it into their own websites. They can plug it into their own apps. So obviously, there's a huge use case for bigger companies, an airline or a hotel, who everyone, they, they're having exactly the same issues as, a, as, a, as, as tour operators, where you know, you'll see that customer once, you engage with them, 
whether it's just an airline seat for three hours or a hotel. But then after, everyone's looking for ways to extend their touch points with that customer during their trip, but also increase the lifetime value of that customer. Because the reality is in travel, as we all know, unfortunately, it's, it's a one-shot business. Very often, it's a one-shot business. How can you maximize revenue? So what we're doing is we're allowing, you know, any travel brand, whether it's a hotel, tour operator, take our technology, plug it into their website, plug it into their app, under their own brands. And so, you know, obviously there's a use case for tour operators, hop on hop operators, but actually it's just making me think to like individual tour guides as well, because we can, basically you can select different voices. It's very easy now to clone your own voice. You could create your own digital twin. And then almost sell that as an experience under your own brand. So actually, you know, you could actually have the potential not only to upsell personal experience and your personal brand after your tour through, you know, this digital twin, maybe like using your proprietary data, but you've also got, you could also tap into a whole new market of potential customers, that 97%. And all of a sudden, actually, this makes you a valuable proposition for the 97% of people who would never have taken a tour guide in the first place. Yeah, and I think for our audience, you do need to be thinking about this. So if we take some examples in the wider travel ecosystem, airlines approximately make 50% of their revenue from ancillary sales. Some actually do more than that, some slightly less, but mm -hmm. let's take the average 50%. Hotels make less than 10% of the revenue from ancillary sales. And hotels are not stupid, so they're going to learn from that, that they can, they're actually in a better position to make more ancillary sales than an airline. But they're way, way behind the airline industry. But they can see the numbers and they can see the billions of dollars that are able to be made here. So tools like this can suddenly be in the brand of the hotel, be that Marriott, Hilton, Accor. They can be tailored to the, that brand whether it's a luxury brand, whether it's a mid-market brand, whether it's a lower brand, it can be totally tailored to that. The hotel can create a character if they want, a, an actual character. Two seconds, I'm just going to have to answer the door as the dogs are in. The joys of having a postman coming doing a court draw. Court draw. Yeah. Ooh, what's that? yeah, so as I was saying there, so we've got a situation arriving with brands, some of them global and some of them with huge reach, are looking to create ancillary revenue and you're suddenly going to be able to give them tools that engage with their customer for the whole time that customer's in destination in brand loyalty to these hotels and other tourist services. So for our audience, I do think you need to think about that because if you think we're in a competitive landscape at the moment, the, the competitive landscape is about to get a lot more busier with a lot of people who have had nothing to do with tour guiding in the past suddenly looking after clients in a tour guiding fashion albeit via technology rather than via 
sending guides out with them. So that's just something to think about going forward. These things are definitely going to end up being in brands and they're definitely going to end up having characters as well. And you mentioned it can be in the tour operator or the guide's character. But as we're seeing, and there's been releases uh, in the last few days, it can also be in famous characters. So it could be a sports person. It can be an actor. It can be someone from the movies. It can be someone from history who's now dead. So if you're having the history tour of a destination or a cathedral or whatever, you can have a tour of that person in in the voice of that person there. And that is going to be quite attractive to a lot of people. Fame, famous people are attractive to a lot of people. And if they can get a tour by that famous person, I think that's going to get traction. No, that's a great point. And you make a great point about ancillary revenue. And just limiting to hotels or airlines. Many of the best tour guides I know make more more money, if, or as much money, if not more money, actually selling tickets or experiences or like different deals or like, you know, it's nothing new. And this is really built into the products, sales, upsells as well. Because, you know, for the first time, it basically almost reverses the concept of an OTA and makes content driven instead of search driven, where you can actually, you know, take that customer, okay, done a tour, doing a tour with I wondering, you've been brought from, you know, you start the lure of net saying, you know, it kind of takes you down the rabbit hole and then you end up, you know, down the rabbit hole of King Louis the Night and then it takes you to the Saint-Chapelle and the world of Saint-Chapelle. Oh, Saint-Chapelle, by the way, you should go check out the stained glass windows, one of the best things, one of the best things in the world. So then, bam, you're popping a product, a ticket sale, like a ticket sale opportunity right in front of that customer when they engage at the perfect place at the perfect time and why not with a discount? And then, yeah, and then all of a sudden you actually get, you know, it kind of flips the whole concept of what an OTA is on its head where, you know, it's, it's guiding them along and selling, selling, selling that ticket at the right time. And I, yeah, but once again, I think the only way that which this works is by working collaboratively. It's like the whole reason why we're taking this approach is to put it in the hands of as many people as possible to try and make the product as good as possible. But also, you know, how, if you take this approach, you've got to have a revenue share model from the start. So whether that's, you know, the simplest way is just affiliates, whether you're a personal brand and you just put on your website then we share that revenue. And so this is, for me, I think it's a great opportunity, as you said, you don't even need to clone your voice, but like, you know, if you give a specific tour and then you can kind of pitch, you know, let's, let's do it in the voice of John Lennon or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. And then actually seeing this as a revenue potential because as you said, other people are going to be working on this and people which aren't, who aren't necessarily from the travel industry from the outset. I think there's a great way to actually work for everyone to come around, work collaboratively on, on this, and take this opportunity from within the industry because these tools are coming anyway. On adoption of this, again, because of our listeners, tour operators and tour guides, and you've heard me say this before, but it's here now. Meta is rolling out AI conversational characters within the Meta tool set, so that's across Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram. So we don't need weight on customers adopting this because literally several billion customers are going to be interacting with AI on a daily basis. 
because of Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, and WhatsApp. Therefore, they're going to be educated to use tools interacting with AI, whether we like it or not. It's happening, and it's happening at scale. And it's happening at a speed nothing like this has ever happened before. Normally, when you release products, it takes years to get millions of customers, and it takes five to 10 years to get over 100 million customers. These tools have been rolled out to several billion customers in a couple of weeks. So the adoption rate from the public will just be there. Most of the public won't even know they're interacting with AI. It's just a tool that they're already using. If you've been using WhatsApp for the last 10 years, you're going to keep using WhatsApp. It's just going to be a much more efficient WhatsApp because it's got an AI built in there. And then if you've been using Messenger and you can suddenly interact with, I think, Meta's released about 10 or 15 different characters, all famous people from various, and one of them is a travel character. I can't remember her name, Lorraine or Laura or someone. There is a travel character in there answering travel stuff. This stuff is happening from the biggest companies in the world, which is good from the sense that, that it's educating the public, so they're going to be open to these tools. I also see it as a huge threat because we don't know how far down the funnel they're going to go. At the moment, they're giving general travel advice, which is pretty weak. But with their resources, they, that travel advice could become a lot, lot better within those tools. And therefore, the question I find is where does the transaction happen? Is it going to start happening in these tools as well? Because if it does, that wipes out half the startup ecosystem of the travel tech businesses. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I can agree more. And I think this is this is one of the key reasons why we want to basically create these tools for people within the travel industry and travel brands, because they will still have their customers and they'll still be selling their tickets, having their apps downloaded, you know, either check in to fly to use their ticket or, you know, like get service updates. And actually, I think that's, that's the way which you can fight against big, big tech. And you know, it's for everyone in the travel industry to rally behind you know, this tool, this content. And also, it allows you to differentiate as well, because you say, I know the traveler better than anyone else. And I have like these store or like, yeah, we, we want, we know the traveler better than anyone else. We'll focus on, we'll focus on them. We'll, we'll segment, you know, like hyper segmentation and on the other side if you can actually get everyone to rally around like you know make the experience as good as possible from a kind of content point of view and from a curation point of view i think that's the way we should compete against okay, your metas your apples as well i wouldn't, I wouldn't rule apple out the interest to see what they do yeah it, did, it does worry me how far down the funnel they're going to go obviously i don't know how far they're going to go down the funnel they may they may decide just to stay kind of near the top but you can see they need to earn revenue. They need to make more money. They're listed businesses. They need to move the share price. So you can see why they're coming further and further down the funnel to do that. And it is a concern. Something we haven't talked about, this, this is sort of glanced over, but I think it's a huge thing, is travel by definition is international. We have 180 different nationalities traveling around the world. And most tour guys can speak one, two, three, and the odd one can speak four languages. Whereas these AI tour guys can speak any language in, in the world. And, and even really basic ones are loaded up with eight or nine different, the top 10 languages in the world. Uh, therefore, the ability to communicate in different language exceeds what 
pure companies can do already. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, I don't have too much more to add to that. I think it's, it's you. I think this is the first time actually, because what I find fascinating about travel is that for such a global industry, so siloed and especially from a customer acquisition point of view as well, it's so difficult because you have to hit the right customer at the right time and you've got one chance of getting them. It's not like you're selling a book or a piece of content or even pair of trainers or something where you can hit them seven times with a message and on the eighth time they might be like, oh, okay, cool. Or, you know, this book sounds quite interesting. I'll buy it now. Javelin, you know, if they arrive in destination, they're pretty sort of great where they, they arrive in Paris and then all of a sudden it's like they type in the roof. They're going to buy that ticket right there, right now, or that walking tour right there, right now. So you've got one chance to get And so this is why for such a global industry, it's also like, so it's almost the smallest one as well, because you've just got that one chance. I, and this is what I find quite attractive about this product where like, for instance, okay, to, to make the parallel with Viddy Guides or an individual tour guide where you had to, you had to be present in that destination. You had to create content in that destination. You had to hit the right keywords and you had one chance to get that customer. Now, all of a sudden you basically with this tool, you can actually target any traveler in the world. So instead of limiting it, like, you know, one by one, place by place, you can actually serve any customer or any traveler in the world, no matter where they are. And even, you know, okay, this is maybe a bit more like longer term thinking. Then you can actually start challenging, you know, the at home piece, which is the cultural segment, the kind of what you do on weekends, you know, the kind of getting against museums or cinema or even Netflix or podcasts, you know, go discover your neighborhoods. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's something which I, I find quite interesting. Yeah, regular purchase is the hardest thing in this industry, as we all, we all know. Getting a customer to stay a customer for an X number of years and get a lifetime value of them versus the cost of acquiring them is exceedingly, exceedingly different. Not enough attention is paid to it by the operator. Uh, it becomes a hamster wheel of chasing more and more customers because you're, you're not getting a lifetime value of that customer. Hence why you have to maximize every single opportunity you get when you have the customer, create as much revenue as you can out of that customer because the reality is you don't see them again in many cases. Is there an opportunity with this? Going to sustainability and environmental issues and in destination issues that we're seeing after city after city, particularly this summer in Europe where cities have been swamped. Is there an opportunity here? better manage in destination that will make the desk because a lot of destinations are getting a bit pissed off at the moment with tourism and the, the the reaction is always not good they come up with strange laws and stuff that they haven't thought through the consequences all actions have a reaction is there something here that can help in destination management flow of tourists around the destination of course definitely but it goes back as well to wanting to build best possible product where you're not just taking a customer or a traveler in the center of the town and then just flinging them off into the suburbs or just because that is the sole purpose you want to busy manage the tourist flights. If you know you can find these great points of interest in places north the being track and send, well do you know what? If you're you're in just an LGBTQ plus culture 
instead of you know wandering around in front of this you can start at the basilica in the central square but go check out this neighborhood and go like you know check out these shops and you know, learn more about the history of that neighborhood or the same thing where, you know it, it's i think it's always gonna be the, that that's no matter what happens i you know the the those main points of interest that main square that main cathedral whatever it is like that it will always be the first part of call i see this as a tool to okay you take them from there and then you can spread them out according to their interests and what's interesting but not just for the sake of like spreading it out it actually has to add value to that customer yeah that simple simple to say not so simple to do in the tech behind it but the timings and if you're interacting with an ai guide and you want to go to the highlight where everybody wants to go, but the guy's telling you, you shouldn't really go between 12 and 3 because that's when it's really busy. You won't get a good experience. And let's go there after 5 p.m. or let's go there before 10 a.m. Uh, just simple timings and being advised when to go can help with the flow of uh, people around the city. Definitely. So... Let's take a glimpse into the future where I wonder. You've obviously just launched in the last few weeks. What's your ambitions? Where are you trying to get to? How many cities? What are you trying to? And what is the ambition for I wonder? You want this in the 97% or? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so meant, it's so meant the, the storytelling and travel experience for those 97%. Because to counter what you said at the start about we not like a traveler, no, I think travel guides are great. I love storytelling. I love like podcasts, anything to do with story. And I basically, I think, I think the ambition is to deliver that type of experience to the sort of person who just wanders around aimlessly, doesn't really discover anything about the destination which they're visiting. And that's really what we're trying to do. I think in terms of like immediate next steps, so we've got a prod product out in beta right now. We'll open up for like mass beta testing. Still very much like I, I consider this an MVP. We're we're launching a much more complete product with this. So with a map-based interface, a camera scanning interface as well. So I mean, how many times have you been outside a building or a statue and you're like, oh, this is cool? Just take your phone out, scan it, and you'll get a three-minute audio track. So and obviously the ticket sales. So we've got like that first like completed version of the product coming out later this year. We've got couple of launch partners lined up so obviously we're always on the lookout for for more and uh, so if if you're interested in integrating this please do get in touch and then it's really about yeah i think there's loads of different ways which this could go but yeah i just i just i mean I, I know i keep going on about wikipedia but i really want to position this as an alternative to wikipedia for your casual traveler the sort of traveler who just kind of goes out and yeah, is in front of something and just wants to learn a little bit more about it. Yep. So, Tourpreneurs, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. I would hope you focus here not on the threat of AI tour guys, but the opportunity of AI, AI tour guys. I really, really do believe these are a huge opportunity for an in destination company, be that a guide or be it an operator, to expand their offering, grow their business, and grow profitability. Yes, these will be at a cheaper price point than a human, but then you've got that engagement with the customer that allows you to introduce human experiences at a much better and higher price point, but you're running two different business models with us. You're running the digital business model and you're running a human business model. It's all about getting the right mix between the two. 
The one thing I would say is do not ignore these if you're an in-destination tour guide company, because if you do ignore them, there are big companies who are not ignoring them and they're going to make an inroads. You're the ones with the knowledge and the up-to-date information that can really make these things better. But don't think by not sharing that knowledge with AI that someone else isn't going to. So this is a case of must-do for certain guides, certain operators. It's not for every operator. If you're running kayak tours or rafting tours or adventure tours, it's probably not the right thing at this time. But if you're running in-destination city historical tours, cultural tours, food tours, there's, there's an application for AI guiding in this. Marius, thanks very much for your time. It's super interesting. And please keep us all up to date with how you get on. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for this chat.